Hello and welcome to Expert Voices, the podcast that brings together the views of academics, treasurers and bankers to provide unique perspectives on the major trends shaping the corporate treasury profession. I'm Sophie Jackson, Joint Publisher and Head of Strategic Content at the Treasury Today Group. In this special and final episode of the year, we recorded live from Cybos in Sydney, the voices of three experts in their fields speaking about open banking and APIs. Cybos was the perfect location to explore these concepts as experts from across the world came together to speak about the evolution of the industry and the future of the financial sector. By showcasing these expert viewpoints, we can learn about best practice for treasurers and how the universe of open banking and APIs is set to evolve. There's this concept of uh, creative destruction. So you have to be willing to destroy yourself up to a certain level to be able to transform the organization. We believe that the uh, next generation of software applications that are going to be used by these treasuries that will be platform and device agnostic kind of SaaS application, so a modern application that is only loaded from the browser. I think the build-out of instant payments through APIs, the changes to how they're processed, the impacts to credit, liquidity, marketplaces, accounting, are really actually where it's going to get very, very interesting for how banks, corporate treasurers, and potentially other players really work out how we can help corporate treasurers and companies overall really change the way that they manage their balance sheet. On the first day of the conference, Marcus Zakariadis and I went outside to enjoy the sunshine and the views of Darling Harbour. I wanted to learn his thoughts on open banking and APIs and to hear his insights for our corporate community. My name is Marcos Zakariadis, I'm an associate professor. Marcus is a young and already incredibly accomplished academic professional who is currently associate professor of information systems and management at Warwick Business School. He's also FinTech Research Fellow at the Cambridge Centre for Digital Innovation at the University of Cambridge. First of all, I wanted to ask you if you could define digital transformation as it applies to corporates. Um, what themes or trends there are at the moment in this space that you think corporates should be aware of? Digital transformation is a big word. It's, it's more of a transition to a, a different way of operating rather than digitizing existing processes. So it's kind of reimagining the entire value chain and trying to transform that into a more effective or efficient way of doing business. If you think of the specific trends that, that you think corporates should be particularly cognizant of, what would those be? Well, I think borrowing from some inspiration uh, with, with newer technologies, so data innovation in the financial services sector recently, uh, there's, there's certain technologies like people talk about artificial intelligence really making a difference in, in their workplace. Uh, so I think AI will certainly be one of the technologies that can um, really create efficiencies in the organization and lower costs and uh, automate decision making to a certain level. Um, there are challenges to that, but I think the technology is really promising and uh, quickly maturing. Another one would be, a lot of people talk about blockchain, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to explain what it is. But heard a um, little bit about that, yeah. yeah. So, so blockchain can create an infrastructure, let's say, that provides or makes transactions more feasible in, in an environment where people don't necessarily trust one another. So you can 
somehow interact with people in the open economy and make sure that they tick the boxes for transaction to, to happen. It's a very transactional based industry. So yeah. so there was a lot of inspiration from, from that context. And then I wanted to ask as well, what the biggest challenges you think are for corporates at the moment in getting on that journey of digital transformation and also how those challenges change when we move from a small to mid-sized enterprise up to the larger corporations. So in terms of transitioning, I, I think is along the lines of trying to think of digital transformation as a new way of reimagining your value chain rather than automating things. Um, and I think larger organizations will be challenged a bit more in that because they already have established processes of how they do things, like day by day. Um, they have an established reputation which is less easy for them to change uh, because potentially that could challenge their, the way they make money, for example, or how the customers see them. So they're a bit more clunky in, in being digitized or adopting technology. Um, but I think this is something that we'll probably have to do uh, in the mid and long term because it's it's better to shoot yourself in the foot and, and heal it rather than somebody else to kill you. So, um, yeah, that's what we usually kind of uh, think about when we think about these transformations. There's this concept of, uh, you know, in academia, I think it was Schumpeter, who kind of first introduced it about creative destruction. So you have to be willing to destroy yourself up to a certain level to be able to transform the organization. So I think a topic that's getting a lot of attention at the moment, open banking, PSD2, and APIs for corporates, in, in brief, how would you sum up the challenges and the opportunities that these present? Yeah, so I think open banking, generally speaking, is about sharing data. That's the fundamental kind of idea of open banking, be more open. But that's something that can cross the boundaries of the bank. So that applies to, uh, to an extent to organizations that uh, connect with the banks because these are the clients. So in doing that, I think corporates should be looking at what are the opportunities to establish closer relationships with uh, the banks that serve them. So this is being done with what we call open APIs. So in essence, what open APIs are, they're, they're plugs, like almost literally plugs or interfaces that you can connect to with your bank. Uh, and try and exploit that a bit more. So integrate with the banking environment and be able to do more transactions on a more seamless basis. So in, in thinking about your relationship as a corporate with your relationship with the bank, I think you should push your bank and challenge your bank uh, as to what are these opportunities that they're offering around in banking. Um, I think this is something we'll see a bit more in the next few years as so banking becomes a bit more popular. And what do you think in terms of how this whole area is going to affect the nature of corporates' relationships with their partners. So open banking in the banking sector, that changes the competition quite a bit. Yeah. So instead of uh, thinking about your bank as the, the only provider of banking services, you could think to an extension about all the services that your bank can offer to you via third party. Um, we've been talking about fintechs a lot. Yeah. Um, so fintech uh, is a is a startup or a new company that is really active in, in one particular niche part of the finance services sector and offers maybe a very particular service. But 
to an extent it does it uh, a lot better than some of the traditional banks can do it. So open banking allows these banks to connect to some of these companies and offer them as part of their client value that they can provide to the customers. So as a corporate, you probably want to think what are the opportunities that your bank offers to connect to um, further fintechs or further services that, that can be consumed through your, your bank as a platform. That by itself, I think it will change quite a few things because then as a corporate, you need to see what are the best fintechs maybe your bank could, uh, could offer you. And also the bank in itself, you know, having open APIs, you know, these plugs. What are the, the, the extra services that they can integrate further to your own systems, right? in, in, within the treasury, for example, environment? Or what are the APIs that maybe some of the accounting systems can consume? So you would want your bank to be more integrated to pretty much everything to be able to consume the services much better and much easier. What roles are banks and fintechs playing in driving this corporate digital transformation at a higher level? I think it's, it's more about opportunities that you can think beyond your, your core value proposition. So if you, for example, are selling a particular product and now in, on top of this particular product you can add a value proposition from your bank, uh, or from uh, a fintech that really relates to your core products and that will benefit your customers even more. I think that's a tremendous opportunity to, to really try and exploit. You know, it could be even some loan that you can put on top of your product as you sell it, either digitally or in the physical world. Or, you know, think about other fintech products or, or the products that banks offer that can be consumed on the, on the side. So sometimes in platform theory, for example, we talk about complementarity. So I think this opens up the door to explode these complementarities in a more systematic and a more efficient way. That was Marcus Zakariadis of Warwick Business School with some fascinating insights into open banking and APIs and some great guidance for our community. I now wanted to know what corporate treasurers themselves feel about this and to explore the best practice that some are putting into place to help the profession move forwards. To find out, my next stop at Cybos was to meet George Zinn from Microsoft, who I was lucky enough to overlap with in Sydney. I wanted to learn how he and Microsoft are approaching this trend. George is a phenomenally well-respected member of the corporate finance community and his team are really at the forefront of industry innovation, so it was a real pleasure and a privilege to be able to sit down with him. From a Microsoft perspective, we're really optimistic, Microsoft Treasury to be specifically, about Open Payment Services Directive. And, you know, we've been working on a number of SaaS applications to be used internally, and we will take advantage of these banks' APIs and, you know, deeply connect them to um, these applications, and which are, you know, actually built on top of Azure as well. So we've been collaborating with some banks for this for a while now, and we can provide more updates specifically on KYC, on-demand bank balances, daily and monthly bank balances, and payment confirmation. Um, those are some areas we're very interested to partner in partnering. How do you see open banking and PSD2, as well as APIs, impacting corporate treasuries in, in general? What are the potential benefits and what changes will they bring? So I, 
I see, broadly speaking, more corporate treasuries um, really embracing, uh, you know, a more agile environment where they have to upgrade, they have to patch. Um, so a lot of them embracing a lot of hybrid cloud offerings. And we believe that the uh, next generation of software applications that are going to be used by these treasuries that will be platform and device agnostic kind of SaaS application. So a modern application that is only loaded from the browser. You don't need any of your back-end on-prem systems. When I started, I'm old enough to have cut my teeth on Lotus 1-2-3, which was uh, essentially a competitor to Multimate. Multimate was the predecessor to Excel. And the skills on that spreadsheet differentiated me as an analyst or whatever you want to call it, uh, an entry-level finance person. And I think it's imperative to develop these skills going forward because as you probably would agree, you, to get a job in finance today, you need to be able to open and work in Excel. If you can't do that, that's table stakes. And that didn't used to be the case, right? And so tomorrow, I'm saying, I think it's going to be table stakes to be able to work in data analytics software like Power BI. In fact, the easiest way to get yourself a raise today is go take some data scientist courses. What role is the fintech sector playing in helping to drive open banking, PSD2, and the development of a rich API ecosystem? So I think that... They're really hungry to build great products. We're at Cybos here today, and there's an entire floor dedicated to fintech startups up there. I don't know if you've been through there. There's some pretty ama amazing um, uh, ideas, I guess is the right way to say it. I have no idea on the execution in a lot of the different cases. But they are ready to embrace these open APIs and really create value for them, for their businesses, in ways that I think that if these APIs are standardized and they don't get changed. So for example, uh, ISO XML 20,022, we were an early adopter of, but really uh, it wasn't entirely standard across regions or what have you, or where, you know, let's just say the box was or the hashtag was and the identifiers. And so you, you didn't have some of the benefits that were hoped for. So I hope in terms of the open APIs, you do have the standardization and it doesn't change so that you can see people uh, utilizing these and creating value in different ways. What do you see as the most exciting developments for corporates with regards to this space around open banking and technology? Are there any specific projects that Microsoft are working on to address the future needs that you're excited about? I think it's it's fair to say that the era of artificial intelligence is upon us, right? And uh, it has the potential to transform our lives and industries, right? And society, uh, for that matter. Um, at Microsoft, broadly speaking, uh, you know, we've been creating the building blocks for this, uh, culminating into many breakthroughs across uh, some of our service offerings. You know, Gartner says 85% of enterprises will be using AI by 2020. But only 25% have started or are planning to start their AI initiatives in the near term. So we think companies will start to infuse AI into existing applications, creating completely new cognitive services, and we think that's going to revolutionize how they engage with customers in particular. And talking about the treasury shop at Microsoft more narrowly, 
you know, we have a natural language framework that's behind Cortana called Lewis. You can think of Lewis as the Yoda uh, uh, in being able to type in natural questions and get answers. So the uh, accounts receivable credit services team at Microsoft is a little over 50 people. And every quarter end, the 45,000 sellers over my shoulder here in the booth are really interested in understanding whether or not their customer is on hold so they can invoice right so because if you invoice then you can ultimately uh, get your bonus for the quarter and it used to be that the challenge was fielding all those phone calls or emails right at quarter end when they came through and as you can imagine 50 does not scale to 45,000 and so developing a bot that was able to take a lot of these routine questions and you know it, it sounds simple as my customer on hold but truthfully if I'm a salesperson uh, for you know fill in the blank multinational corporation that's been, and I'm the, covering the uh, UK headquarters versus the US headquarters it could be that the US headquarters did not pay their bill and I had no idea as the UK salesperson so they're totally legitimate questions and they can ask them and they can see why they may not be able to invoice as a result of just in that hypothetical situation and what to do to go help resolve that in order so that they can invoice so that they can get their bonus for the quarter and those are all natural language inquiries um, I I think that you're going to see, you know, different people solving different pain points. There's numerous pain points today. Everyone knows KYC AML. <laughs> Everyone knows bank account management. Everybody knows, you know, intercompany lending. But that's not the sexy stuff. You, if you do walk by some of the fintechs, it's all about a FX platform with multinational border transactions. There's a lot of people that are trying to crack the, you know, the foreign, but it's just the building block stuff that we have to solve just to get the daily job done where I think there's some real opportunities. It's kind of boring, but, you know, we're, we're, we're having to develop that stuff in-house. I mean, it, we've thought about when we show it to other people and they sort of say, can I have that? We thought about saying, well, the, our product group should just go offer it to other people, but we're, we're not quite in a position to support third-party sales ourselves. But Yet. Maybe, who knows, in the future. As George Zinn just illustrated, there's a lot going on in this space at present. I think the ever-evolving financial ecosystem is certainly fascinating. I next spoke to Deutsche Bank about open banking and APIs, to learn the ways in which they're supporting treasurers, and to gain some practical guidance for our community. David Watson is Head of Cash Management for the Americas, and he had plenty to say on the topic. Here's what I found out. It's still early days, but so far, how would you sum up the impact that open banking and PSD2 are having on banks in general? Certainly, it's definitely an interesting time. I mean, open banking and the idea of, of actually everyone opening up their products and services and their data under strict controls to third-party providers and to other banks and to other players in the market is certainly something that's a bit of a cultural uh, revolution for us in financial services, but an extremely exciting one. I think the acceleration that the Payment Services Directive 2 is giving to the open banking conversation, particularly in Europe, but as we see other regulators replicate it, is very much going to have a situation whereby all banks have to actually be prepared to compete in a very different manner. 
Historically, we had control over the client interface uh, in almost a, an individual manner or through selected bank-driven communication networks like SWIFT. In the future, products and services are going to be able to build off the data and infrastructure of individual and collective banks in a completely different way. As third-party providers can come in, can look at data, can, can look at products and services, can build their own value-added products and services, perhaps new products and services to old solutions, it's definitely going to drive a lot of a different uh, cultural competition uh, across the marketplace. Also, well, we're certainly in a, in a state of flux at the moment, right? Yes. So, from a bank's perspective, how do you see open banking, PSD2 and APIs impacting your corporate clients? How might it change the relationships you have with them, particularly when we're looking at payments processing space and the management of accounts in general? To me, there's many ways it's going to impact us, but if I was to pick the two most important, the first one to me comes down to communication and engagement in the marketplace. And actually, that isn't simply me saying that now I will connect with my clients through APIs instead of host-to-host -host or online or Swift-based channels, but instead that by connecting through APIs to the marketplace and to clients, you enable us to move to a real-time world. And the excitement that comes with a real-time world is not just you know, how many seconds or how many minutes you receive your payment in terms of quicker, it's actually the products and services impact that comes over and above that. The idea that if you are open 24-7 and able to send and receive payments 24-7 changes completely the context of an opening balance or a closing balance on your accounts, changes completely the idea of credit lines and intraday credit or liquidity management and how you understand your balance sheet. It even opens up a question around how you deal with financial accounting by day, by month, by quarter, by year. Because if a marketplace never closes, how do you actually take stock of where you sit? Traditional banking products for corporate treasurers have really been built around a marketplace that opens and closes, that relates to a specific time zone or a specific country. I think the build-out of instant payments through APIs, the changes to how they're processed, the impacts to credit, liquidity, marketplaces, accounting, are really actually where it's going to get very, very interesting for how banks, corporate treasurers, and potentially other players really work out how we can help corporate treasurers and companies overall really change the way that they manage their balance sheet. Awesome. I think 24 by 7 is the, the buzzword of, of Cybos <laughs> this year. Um, if we move to the specificities, are there any particular industries or particular services that you think are going to be particularly impacted by these changes? And if so, what, why do you think so? I think all industries are going to be impacted, but I think there's probably one area where I think you start to look at things very, very differently. And that's an area where you actually no longer only discuss with the corporate treasurer, but the corporate treasurer starts bringing you into conversations with the actual product development colleagues of the actual company. And by there, what I mean is that anywhere that there's a machine involved, the idea of machine-to-machine -machine payments and Internet of Things is dramatically, dramatically changing how we do things. The number of internet-connected devices we carry in our person or have in our close proximity on a day-to-day -day basis is huge. And actually, the impact for that in corporate treasures in terms of just simple payables and receivables, never mind anything else, changes dramatically. So it's all very fun to talk about the refrigerator that has a camera on the front that can uh, show you what's in your fridge or even tell you that you're out of milk. But now we're starting to see how, uh, us have conversations with the same product development people at the refrigerator company asking us how can we embed payments into the refrigerator and how would the payment flows work. So no longer is payments an afterthought for the corporate treasurer to think about, it's actually at the forefront often of the product design of the actual product itself. So to me, any industry that is involved in the manufacture of hardware 
or in the e-commerce segment will have a huge, huge impact from this and needs to think about payments at the beginning of their product development process, not the end. Okay, and then finally, obviously we're at Cybos where FinTech has its own entire dedicated floor. Um, so what role do you think FinTech is playing in helping to drive these changes? I think it's a very, very exciting time. Uh, and, and I think if we go back to how Cybos was created, you know, it's a conference that was started, you know, 20, 40 years ago mm. by SWIFT so the banks could get together in uh, operational IT and correspondent banking world. So when I walk around the floor here uh, at the conference we're at today and I see all these banks' booths, I look at them all and think, oh, there's a competitor. But I also look at them all and think, oh, there's a client. Yeah. And I also look at them and think there's a collaborator. So the world's largest transaction banks are all my clients in some way, shape or form. They're all someone I compete with in certain areas. Plus, they're also sometimes an area where we collaborate, even if it's the most basic thing of a loan exposure with a corporate where we decide to split it between two banks rather than a single bank take it. So that very complex uh, client-competitor-collaborator relationship is one that I compare to our fintech relationships as well. So some of the world's fastest growing and moving fintechs and financial services area are actually my largest growing client segment as well as a very key strategic target client area for me. They also may potentially compete with me in certain aspects of the value chain. Although very interestingly, it tends to be very much in a certain aspect of the value chain rather than a soup to nuts uh, type offering that we're seeing. And the last part is collaboration. I think areas where we actually realize that it's not best for us to do it, it's maybe better to use someone else, is an area where we speak more and more with fintechs. I think the culture of that has very much changed. It used to be that fintechs were trying to kill the banks. It used to be that banks were trying to defend from fintechs. I think very much we're now in an understanding that fintechs can bring a proposition to have a, a shiny new solution to an old problem or potentially a new problem that may be very interesting for a bank to adopt or to embrace or even just to introduce to our corporate clients. And that's a different culture from the old way where at Deutsche Bank I would have seen something like that, painted it blue, called it DB Fintech and told the client it was part of my infrastructure. Yeah. Now I'm very, very comfortable to sit in front of a client and say, hi, I'm David Watson from Deutsche Bank. I can deliver 90% of this solution. Have you met Steve from Fintech X who can actually offer the other 10% better than anyone else I know? And that's something where you actually then bring together the creative new solution or a product extension or new way of doing something with the actual network, trust, you know, relationship, credit lines, all the other aspects that come from the traditional banking sector. And I truly believe that it's by bringing those two areas together is where you get real power and impact uh, from the fintech community. That was David Watson, Head of Cash Management for the Americas and Global Head of Digital Products at Deutsche Bank. Thanks for listening to this episode of Expert Voices. I've been Sophie Jackson from the Treasury Today Group. Thanks to our guests... George Zinn at Microsoft, Marcos Sicariadis of Warwick Business School, and of course, David Watson from Deutsche Bank. Thanks to Deutsche Bank for making this podcast possible, and to the Swift Institute for connecting us to their network of academics. Remember to subscribe to the Expert Voices podcast to get all our latest episodes directly to your device.